0: everybody how uh, I hope everyone's doing well today it's a little uh, it's a little chilly here in the Northeast not exactly uh, early fall weather more like uh, it feels like October uh, I don't know about what you live, but it was a cold summer we only had a handful of days that it was really hot wasn't it didn't even run the air conditioner all that much I don't know I don't know about what you guys though but this is not Not a normal summer up here. It was a little chilly. But that being said, uh, day after release, um, GSE stocks are trading down. uh, Probably because there's no time frame given as far as when something's going to happen. Just kind of left up in the air. So I'm guessing that's why they're down. There's nothing in the report that's negative. Uh, We can kind of go through it. I annotated a PDF of it last night, but I'll go through that part again because... Obviously, a lot of questions are on. And when I did my podcast yesterday, right after I, the release, uh, you know, I hadn't had a really chance, a chance to go through and digest it. Um, so, you know, since everyone's asking about it, why not just do it now? Let me see the questions here. I don't have any questions. This week. They're probably all about that. So um, regarding capitalization plan on page 29, do you think they convert only one or some class of junior-referred stock into commons instead of all classes? Um, they can't, I, I don't see a scenario where they would recap some of the preferred knowledge. they got to do it all um, because then you're giving preferential treatment to certain shareholders uh, not others um, and that's you can't do that so they'd have to all be treated the same um, why you counting in that place you see receivership they they can't They Congress have to put in receivership they can't put in receivership they'd have to take all the debt that's why they never did it in the first place all the debt, all the mortgages, all the liabilities would then go on the, the balance sheet of the U.S. government and you'd, be, you'd blow through the debt ceiling. So they can't put it in receivership. They just can't do it. And they, they have no intention to do it. If, if they put it in receivership, it would be huge upheaval to the market. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not concerned about that. Um, there's a couple here on Lumber, lumber Liquidators, but I'll, I'll do the GSEs first and, and do that one last. Any thoughts if they stop the net receipt September payment? Seems like they want to hurry up and get it started. Any different thoughts on the GSEs when we close? Those are the GSE questions. So, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you, according to Calabria, this you know he said uh, he put out a statement after the report was released yesterday that this is now his number one priority um, that he intended to be meeting with Treasury immediately to discuss the net worth sweep. So, yeah. I mean, it makes sense to stop in September. um, You know, but it made sense sense to stop it back in May and June, too. So uh, I I think, I don't know about September. I mean, they have two-thirds of the month left to do it. Um, You know, it it makes sense to do it. They should do it. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I think that putting their cards on the table was good and that everyone knows the direction they're going in, and that they're all in uniform, right? That the Treasury, the White House, and FHVA are all on the same page. We've heard reports about infighting and this and that. And it turns out, you know, those were all garbage. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I, they should. They should stop, should stop the this payment, allow them to rebuild capital, but we don't know. Um, and this is any different thoughts than the Jesus Winkler that was after last week. Uh, well, yeah, if anything, if anything, my thought process is more positive because there's was, there was always a chance, right, in the report, despite what they said, that they would, you know, eliminate this or eliminate that or whatever. And it's good to have it in writing that all three of them agree that you really can't do that. So Treasury recommends FHFA FH should exercise its authority as conservatives to begin the process to end each GSE's conservatorship in a manner consistent with the conditions set forth in this plan. That would be administrative. Uh, number one, recapitalizing the GEs. Okay? Potential, as described above, each GSE should remain a conservatorship until it has retained or raised sufficient capital or other loss-absorbing capacity to operate in a safe and sound manner. Potential approaches to recapitalizing a, a GSE could entail one or more of the following, among other options, eliminating all or a portion of liquidation preference of Treasury's senior preferred shares or exchanging all or a portion of that interest for common stock or other interests in the GSEs. Okay, addressing the variable dividend on Treasury's senior preferred shares so as to allow the GSC to retain earnings in excess of the $3 in capital reserve currently permitted. Okay, so either you get rid of the senior preferred stock altogether or exchanging it for common stock um, or whatever else they want to do with it or leave it in place for now and simply adjust the dividend. i said before that that was a possibility. It, to me, I think it makes most sense. And I would think that they'd want to only do this once. Right? They're not going to want to stop the net worth sweep, keep the senior preferred stock, and just reduce the dividend because that slows the process of rebuilding capital. So what makes the most sense is to just get rid of the damn thing. That would allow a fast rebuild of capital, too, one. Two, it would also start to expedite the recap process because Wall Street's not going to get serious about it until the senior preferred stock is gone, right? They're not going to invest in it. They're not going to invest in, you know, new debt instruments or new junior preferred if it's going to all be junior to the senior, senior preferred stock agreement that the government can arbitrarily, with FHFA at any time, change. You know, Remember, right? says what the lawsuits are for. So Wall Street's not going to get behind it and invest in it until that's eliminated, until it's gone. So, you know, these are various things that they could do. But I think what makes the most sense if they're serious about recapitalizing these in a a fast and efficient manner is to get rid of the whole network sweep so it's a clean slate. Just a a clean slate. And then you're going to start getting interested in how we're going to do this. But as long as that albatross is hanging out there, there's always going to be this, you know, it's never going to be like, okay, this is happening soon. Let's, keep, let's get on board with this, let's do this, let's figure this out. It's always going to be, well, until the network sleep is gone, you know, none of it matters. So, um, Issuing shares of common or preferred stock or perhaps also convert debt or other loss-absorbing instruments through a private or public offerings, perhaps in connection with the exercise of Treasury's warrants for 79.9% of GSC's common stock. Negotiating exchange offers for one or more classes of the GSC's existing Junior preferred stock and placing the GSC and receivership these permitted by a lot of this structure and capital structure. Um, it's it's all what we've thought about, right? Nothing there is new. There's nothing negative, right? They have to list all the options, but they're not gonna put them in receivership. They just they just can't do it. I mean, legally they could find a way to do it, but in in practice, it's just a horrible idea or they would have done it by now if they could do it if it was more practical and easier to do it in the way that they're doing it doing it to put it in receivership they would have done it years ago treasury recommends again treasury and FHFA should develop a recapitalization plan for east gsc after identifying and assessing the full range of strategic options that would be administrative Pending recapitalization plan as an entrance step towards the eventual PSPA amendment contemplated by this plan, Treasury and could consider putting East GSE to retain earnings of $3 billion capital reserve currently permitted with appropriate compensation to Treasury for any deferred or foregone dividends. Again, administrative. They're very... Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very determined to show everyone that that most of this can be done administratively. They don't need Congress to do all this stuff. Uh, Treasury and FHFA should consider amending each PSBA to require each GSE to maintain convertible debt or other similar loss-absorbing instruments sufficient to ensure there's adequate total loss-absorbing capacity to facilitate resolution administrative. Again, so third time convertible debt has been mentioned. So clearly that's going to be part of whatever recapitalization plan that come out. You know, they haven't, they've mentioned the conversion of the stocks once. Uh, they've mentioned convertible data, I believe it was three times. So that's clearly a direction that they're going to go into. Okay, that's, that's really the key points for us, right? I mean, the, most of that plan that was put out last night was, you know, um, how we got here, and, you know, we've, I think people can argue over how we got here uh for days on end um and then you know then this is what we're going to do to recapitalize them and then here's what we want to do after as far as you know structure the companies which as of right now for our um for our determination right now that really isn't um it's going to change going to be altered so I don't see any reason to really go through that and discuss the minute points of um What's going to happen, you know how, how they're going to process mortgages in the future? It's not matter right now. It's not your main. to what we're doing right now. Dick Beauvais had a note come out. Um, let me find it. Um, He's I had it Dick Beauvais this morning put out a note after he went through that. And let me show you. what he, This is what he said. The Treasury report on GSC delivers it delivers its proposals will help everyone. So. He went through the report and these, these are his um, these are his three bullet points. Inve- well, number one, investors in the preferred shares of both Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are about to make a great deal of money. Number two, beyond this, Wall Street itself may be about to raise the largest amount of money in its history from what now would be private companies. And number three, finally, if the banking industry can get Congress to agree, it will be given a right to set up secondary mortgage companies that will compete with the GSEs. Then he says everyone could make money here, including taxpayers, the U.S. economy, housing industry, holders of GSE preferred shares, and possibly even the investors of the GSE common shares. You know, uh, Mnuchin has done a remarkably good job outlining the plan that would bet everyone in this co- that would benefit everyone in this country. Now it's up to um to put it through use. Odeon group after last night put out a um, um what based on what, what they thought it would do. So 30 year mortgages are going anywhere. Fannie and Freddie will made the coordination of housing market it. Um, Network sweep will be eliminated. Senior preferred stock will be declared paid in full. The $200 billion treasury draw will remain in place. Um, Junior preferred holders will get some payments, probably in common stock, and probably at a slight discount to their par value. The capital position through companies will be bolstered by. Build up and retained earnings. Possibly the conversion of the junior preferreds to common. A tiny contribution as the government covers, converts its warrants into common stock and then a stock offering. So if you do the math on this, okay, if, if you estimate the, that Fannie Mae is going to need about $140 billion, which would be about 4% of its assets. And again, this, as the asset best changes, this number is going to change. And we don't know that 4% is going to be the number. But that seems to be what everyone's talking about so um that's what we'll go with currently they have three billion in retained capital Um, the first year they probably make about 12 billion dollars obviously that's going to be give or take Um, so that would get them up to 15. if the government converted their warrants that's only 47 million dollars because they get them for nothing basically um if you converted the preferred shares to common all right and they thinks it'll be about 250 a share for the common they'll convert at you raise about 19 billion a little over 19 billion that leaves about 105 billion and change to be raised in the public markets that's for Fannie Mae which is doable now obviously the conversion price we can argue about whether the junior preferreds are converted after the stock offering or before the stock offering. Again, this is, this is, we need to know this because, you know, whatever you're going to be converting at, you need to know the price kind of thing. So and this is just one of his, that's one of, this is like his basic uh, scenario of how it would be. So, I mean, nothing, nothing changed from the negative. I just think people are probably selling because they didn't get definitive answer i think that's going to come in the days and the weeks um and i think that's what's going to move the stocks higher um when that um when that is done and that is announced i think we finally get to that next next level in this where people say okay this is going to happen this is happening sooner than we thought network sleep is done they're really building capital, they're serious, you know, then the next steps to talk about, you know, are the other ways to raise capital. So, you know, I think it'll happen when they do it. I think it'll jump when they do it. And I think it's going to, it's going to work out. So, yeah, I mean, the stock's going to do what it's going to do, but, you know, I think it's undeniable that we are one step closer today to what we want. Actually, we're a lot more than one step closer because if, if we're being honest, you know, there was still a—I don't know—maybe 20% chance, 10% chance that they would want to eliminate stocks and just cram down the preferred or whatever. And you know, that doesn't seem to be happening. So that's good. So we're we're, we're a lot closer than we were. We're just not where we want to be. Where we have, you know, they're not going to make the payment in September. They're going to declare this played in full. And those are huge steps, right? Those are leaps forward because that, that then the ball really gets rolling. The ball's not really rolling right now. It's just not because we don't have that step but once once the once that happens and that'll be the first thing that happens so to rebuild capital then the ball really starts to get rolling and things start getting exciting because then you know we know that we know that this is happening the plan's in place and it's going to be you know nothing can even be contemplated being started till that happens so that's kind of step one so i think i've starting to get a little redundant on on this so i'm gonna i'm gonna end that GSE thing right there um And, you know, just reiterate that I think it's, it was a good report. It gave us a framework of what we thought, what was rumored, but wasn't actually confirmed, right? And now we know it's confirmed so we can all move on. Um, This is the most ironic question we've ever gotten based on timing wise. Um, It really was. So Monday, uh, so I recommended the stock on Friday after the close. So hopefully a bunch of you bought lumber Waiters on Monday. And then Monday afternoon, I get this question. Why would Tom Sullivan purchase stock in Lumber Liquidators when his cabinet-to-go company is about to launch a line of engineered hardwood flooring manufactured in the U.S.? Won't that line be competing with Lumber Liquidators? Right? That was Monday. I think it was like midday Monday. And then obviously Tuesday we get the news that he's going active. He wants to talk to management about exploring ways to maximize value one of the ways he wants to do it is to merge his cabinets to go company with lumber decorators. Um The other way he said is to take he wants to take lumber dequitors private and do it that way. Um, that's caused the stock to jump uh, a bunch. I think it was up to twenty twenty five percent or something like that. Um, it's probably up again today, right? although a lot I don't know we'll see No, it's down a little down one percent today. But we've done really really well with this in uh four days three days so that makes me really happy um the next question about it is um the, the the price of lumber liquidators jumped significantly for the past several days thanks a lot for your recommendation what do you think the fair value for the stock is is it okay to buy more at the current price so i mean when i whenever i buy something like, like i bought lumber liquidators you know it's i wouldn't call it a turnaround because it's not like they were in danger of going out of business. There's several direct factors that led to the price decline: the investigations, the, the you know settlements from the the hardwood flooring debacle. I don't know what it was, six seven years ago. Now um, that stuff was finally um, settled, the restrictions were lifted. You know, I saw insiders buying the stock again. The stock went down to eight nine bucks a share, which made it just ridiculously cheap and I know that you know management had spent and they had said this repeatedly you know they were spending the CEO was spending 30 40 hours a week on the litigation and the settlement stuff over the past year or so that doesn't leave you much time there's only so many hours in the week to actually worry about running your business or expanding it or growing it or doing what you had to do then you have the tariffs come into play right and the, the hardwood flooring you so see they have the tariffs so that dragged them down too okay so that was the reason I bought it, and I bought it under the guise that, you know, in in, in a year or two, when managers really able to focus solely on their business, and they're adding 10 to 13 stores a year instead of one or actually decreasing, that there's going to be some growth, there's going to be increasing profits, and the stock price will reflect that, and being as cheap as it was, that it would grow. The the tariff fears, I felt, were overblown, because 40%... But I, for roughly 40% of the hardwood flooring market of that market in the U.S. is mom and pop stores. They have one, maybe two locations. They're going to get hit worse by the tariffs. It's, they're really going to get hurt. They don't have the scale. They don't have the scope. They don't have the direct buying. They're buying through brokers who are passing on the tariffs to them. They don't have the, the ability to absorb the costs or the cost structure to be able to absorb it themselves. Right, they have to pass those tarps on to the to the to the um, to the consumer. It's happening in the tile industry, right? Right here in my town. There, well, there's two towns, but um, there's a a family-run tile place. They're both family-run. One gets most of its tiles from China. The other sources them basically all from the U.S. or, or Italy or whatever. So the one that doesn't source from China is, is is taking share like crazy because the other one is raising their prices. And you know tile, you know tiles a cost sensitive purchase. Yeah, you want it to look right, but you know I don't think you go from store to store tiles tile. And people are you know purchasing tile at a very price sensitive. And the same things with flooring. You know mahogany hardwood, mahogany laminate flooring is mahogany laminate flooring, no matter who you buy it from. But these mom and pop shops are going to be significantly more expensive than a lumber liquidators or a Home Depot who can absorb that. Now, Home Depot and Lowe's are very, very small parts of the market. So, you know, it's the mom and pops. They're the biggest part of the market, a very fragmented part of the biggest part of the market, but their costs are going up significantly to the consumer. Whereas I think lumber liquidators can absorb more of that cost increase or find another way to get around it by sourcing from different areas easily. And they'll start taking some share, so that was the reason I bought it. I, you know, I said, and then so even if you did the flip side of that, then said they get rid of the tariffs. Well, if they get rid of the tariffs, it's an immediate change, and Wall Street will like it and bid the shares up, right? The way I described it happening, assuming the tariffs don't go away, it's just going to be a longer term. As you know, it'll be quarter to quarter. As the results aren't as bad as people think they're going to be, because they are taking share from the mom and pops. It'll just take a little longer than just you know. A trade deal that eliminates the tariffs altogether and the stock, you know Stock goes up 30 40 percent just because that's what it went down with because of the tariffs So and then general operating improvements So that's why I bought it and I I thought it could be a double or a triple over the next two three four years Um based on The reasons for its decline You know, they weren't they weren't I think I guess they were easily addressable to fix. I think it wasn't as though They have an absurd debt load that they can't handle. They need to refinance, something like that. This is just a lawsuit that was settled, investigation that was settled. Um, In conjunction with selling, a lot of restrictions that were placed on the the company themselves were lifted. So they're free to operate now. They're free to do things. Insiders are finally able to buy shares again. They were not able to buy shares for years. So just little things like that. So I felt that the, uh, the current price of it um, reflected severe operating uh problems, not these sort of political and legal things that you know when they clear up, they instantly go away so that's why I bought it so now the fact that it's at i mean it's all it's you know it's gone from eight to what or nine I'm sorry what's it at now to eleven doesn't even begin to reflect what I felt the eventual value of it was you know I, I like I said I thought of the next two three four years it could be a double or a triple so I still think that in two three or four years it's worth that so I mean I have to think Sullivan thinks the same way if he wants to take it private he wants to take it private um, you know he owns he's almost 8% of the company now I don't I don't see anything been filed today uh, but he did take another one, and I have a feeling he's going to keep buying because the more he buys, you know, it's kind of like Horizon, right? If he wants to make these changes, if he's the largest shareholder, he's going to have significant influence over the other shareholders and whatever. And there's a lot of long-suffering shareholders that if he made a fair offer for it, would take it. And, you know, current management probably would too. So, you know, that's, I I think, yeah. So I guess that was a really, really, really long-winded way of saying, yeah, I don't think it's a bad buy here at all. I really don't. Now, there could be some volatility here based on news flow, you know? You know, maybe he's he's going to shelve his bid to take it private right now. The stock might drop 10% because people were in it hoping for a quick, quick cash out, you know? <clears throat> or he may go through with it at much higher prices. Who knows? But, you know, don't Sometimes when these rumors come out on these things, the stock gets a little volatile. So don't freak out if it drops a decent chunk one day because, you know, someone reports something that doesn't go along with the current theme of he's going to take this private any day now or a huge offer. Uh, But that being said, even if it does, the longer term story is still intact. Um, And it's even more intact. And it's even better because as the largest shareholder. He is able to influence. He could get himself a board seat, right? He could. There's other things he could do that would for, force a current CEO out for you know for someone he kind of hand picks that he likes better. There's a lot of things he could do to drive value, even if he doesn't buy it out. So as long as he remains a shareholder, which I, seems as though he's he wants this company, so he's going to do what he's got to do. Um, it's good for us. It's good for Level liquidators. and it makes. I think it makes the, 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 the eventual outcome um, safer. and I, would, I, would, I don't want to say more definite, but safer than before or more assured than before. And I think it makes it possibly a, a better outcome price-wise and a shorter outcome time-wise. Right? If he's able to get in there and make operational improvements and maybe some personnel improvements and do what he's got to do. And get it done running. I mean, this used to be almost you know hundred dollar stock at one point. You know they can start buying back stock, right? They weren't they weren't able to have any stock buybacks the last way, so they could they could buy back some stock if they wanted. There's lots they can do now that they weren't able to do. So and you know they, they have some debt, not much, but I'm sure now that you know this the specter of the U.S. government shutting them down is removed, and <coughs> they might be able to refinance that, at lower rates. Get some interest savings, some more cash flow coming through. The company's still free cash flow positive. It's got a great balance sheet. It's free cash flow positive. It's selling at a ridiculously low um, valuation compared to the to what I feel the future potential is. Not only that, but the industry is growing. The carpeting carpeting used to be in seventy percent of U.S. homes. We're talking wall-to-wall carpeting. I think that now. I think I put it on the blog. I think it was like thirty-eight percent now. So people want hard flooring and they want to put throw rugs over it they don't want wall-to-wall carpeting anymore it's very it's it's, it's increasingly becoming extinct so not only do they have it other tailwinds but they have it that the basic industry they operate in is organically growing and that's helpful for them too so there's there's lots of good news here you know and there really isn't any you know, the tariffs aren't great news because they're going to cause some short-term disruptions, but they could be long-term good news if these mom-and-pop stores just can't keep up, and they just take market share that way, um, you know. Or you get rid of them, and everyone rockets higher overnight. So you know, I don't, I don't see any. You know, they yes, they have some operational things they got to fix. There's some extra costs they got to ring out. There are, and a lot of that was legal costs, um, and that's got to be taken care of. And that's that again. That's going to be organically rectified because these, the Department of Justice investigations are over. Now there's still some lingering things they have to do and justice will be monitoring their activities. So there's gonna be some legal costs associated with that, but nowhere near what they've gone through the last two or three years of this thing. So they just gotta, that's not even right to say fix operations. They just gotta tweak and improve operations and you can see a, a big improvement on the bottom line. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm very excited about the investment and I'm very excited. I came across it when I did, um, and came across it, um, at, you know, it's, it's very rare that, you know, usually when you buy a value, right? You buy it and it always goes down a little bit more, right? Cause you you'd have to go under the illusion. You can nail the bottom in a value investment right even when we first bought way back bank of america we first bought it at seven and it dropped to five we bought more at five i mean that was still a you know that that dropped a ton i mean you know that's almost almost 30 40 percent it dropped so it's just it's nice to make a recommendation and, and be like all right did, well did we get you know are we not going to have one of those things where we have another drop That makes you panic and it's just gonna kind of start going up from here and that'd be that'd be cool because that's I think in value investing that's incredibly rare and it just gets you excited that you know you you just picked the right time to get in and you came across it on the right time and you know I, I wanted to have it out the week before but I still was still was gnawing through it and wasn't really sure and and then as, as time went on, the price kept falling. I got more and more sure because I felt the margin of safety was so much better and I got some clarity on the tariff issues and it just, it just all kind of came together at the right time. So um, so I hope, I hope a lot of you got into it too and are happy, happy, happy. Um, let me see if there's any other, any other questions here. Um give me one second so oh so uh, um another question on the economy and chances of a recession um I I view it as very low. I just do and here's this so this is funny so you know Ray Dalio runs Bridgewater he's a he's a genius. he was out, out saying that, he views the chance of a recession in the next year at 25%. I think it was a month ago that he was on, and he said he viewed it as, at 40%. I, I mean, I'm sorry, but things don't change that quick. It doesn't... It, $13 trillion economy. It doesn't, it doesn't change that quickly. I think, I think too often people think markets know more than data markets are emotions markets are people reacting to data and they'll react in mob fashion to the plus and to the minus minus. and you know markets don't predict anything there's the my, one of my favorite saying is the stock market's predicted 13 of the last two recessions <laughs> i mean it's you know and even the bond market is becoming less predictive than it used to be you know, I'm still of the opinion that the yield, yield curve inversion was not because investors rushing to safety, it was because of investors rushing to year, yield globally. I mean, you're, you're lending, you're paying the government, in a, lot, in a lot of nations, you are paying the government to have them borrow money from you. In what world does that make sense? Who would, who would go out there and say, Ty, can I lend you $100,000 and I'm going to pay you 1% a year? Who <laughs> would do that? But bond investors of central banks are. So if you want yield and government debt, the U.S. is the best place to go. So you have billions of dollars of pouring into the U.S. Into US debt markets, not because people are afraid to go into stocks, because it's almost the only place to go to get yield. And to be in a government security. That's why. And that pushes those prices down, and it inverted the yield curve. So I just don't think that we're headed for a recession. I don't think the yield curve predicted at this time. I think the problem with analysis like that is it always assumes that conditions are the same whenever something happens. And when the yield curve inverted the other times, we didn't have negative interest rates around the world on government debt. It just did, it didn't happen. So you can't say the bond market is predicting something when the bond market is in conditions it's never been in. And you can't say A equals B because you are actually comparing, um, and as the whole market goes, you're comparing apples to oranges. Now, if we had global yields below zero in those other times, then you'd have a point. But we don't. So, and I, I, don't, I haven't seen it, but I'd like to, love to see an analysis where the last time bond yields inverted, um, you know, was employment rising or falling? Were retail sales hitting new records or have they plateaued? You know, what, what about other metrics? You know, were, were housing defaults rising when that happened or were they falling like they are now? Was... Was equity in homes falling flat or at record levels like it is now and growing? Was consumer credit starting to deteriorate or was consumer credit continuing to improve like it is now? I haven't seen it, but I'd love someone to do that. And I guarantee you, the other times the yield curve, I don't, well, I can't guarantee it because I don't know, but my opinion would be that the other times the yield curve inverted, many of those other indicators we're going in the opposite direction they are now too. And this is aside from the zero, zero negative interest rates on government debt in many places in the world. I will bet you they were going the other direction. So it wasn't a yield curve predicting anything. In that case, it wasn't even the yield curve because yield was being concerned because, oh, employment's falling or consumer credit is deteriorating or housing's slowing down or retail sales have turned south or whatever the deal was at the time, we'll have to look at it. And actually, you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't even remember when the last one. Was. Someone emailed me the last two times the yield curve inverted, and I'll go back and do it. I'll see what was going on with retail sales and those kind of numbers, and see what we can find. Because I'll bet you it was a very different economic situations than we have now, right now. Um, so, odds of recession, I think. You know, I, I don't. I'm not going to give you a number because I think I, I think that stuff's kind of stupid. I just don't think it's going to happen in the next year. I just don't, and I've been saying this every year <coughs> since, I don't know, 2010 probably, that I think that given where we are and given what's going, now if, you know, now you have to always say, you know, the, I don't think we're having the next year is based on what I know now. If, you know, if Trump and China decide to put 70% tariffs on goods and we really go all in on this trade war, will that could change things But I don't think That's going to happen Now I think I think Trump would like A nice political event You know I won the trade war Kind of thing I think um, That it will be it, It's just It's benefiting everyone To get rid of it Right now It's his current fight He's moved down From the wall Right He's moved down To China and trade Um you know, at some point he's going to need a win or declare. when well, You know, politicians—they could basically go back to where they were before, make tweak two or three things minorly, and both sides are going to declare victory. That's just—that's just the way it's going to happen. And whether they quote unquote win or not, and I don't know how you define winning in this instance, but they're both going to come out arms raised in a victory dance, and that's just how it's going to happen. That's how it always always happens. And you know what? That's fine. Who cares? Because the 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 market's going to go crazy. It'll go up. We'll hit new highs and everyone's going to dance off into the sunset. So, um, you know, if there's, if, you know, Iran lobs a nuke at Israel, that could cause situations and battles that could disrupt energy markets in a major, major way, which, you know, could, you know, gas went to six bucks a gallon. That's going to slow a lot of things down. um, That could cause something. But, you know, so I, so I guess what I'm saying is barring some Large-scale extraneous event that you can't predict, you know. Assuming global conditions about where they are now, I think we are fine. We're not going to get a recession. We still, you know, we're still around two percent GDP, and and not for nothing. That's where we've pretty much been. This, yes, it slowed down a little bit, but that plus or minus two percent—that's who we were for almost the entire Obama administration. You know, and I guess people were always saying we're, you know, we're in the seventh inning of the. We've been in the seventh inning of the expansion for the last eight, six years. So, I mean, I'm sorry, that's not true. Last five years, whatever. Um, you know, you're always going to have, you don't have 3% growth. You know, you're always going to have people, the naysayers that are coming out. And every time the market drops five, 600 points, which isn't what it used to be, you know, you're going to have Rubini on and Muhammad Alarian who's going to just talk in circles for half an hour and... You know, Peter Schiff's going to be running around with his hair and fire yelling, buy gold, buy gold, buy gold. You're going to have the same cast of characters. So Rubini's going to come out and mumble how government debt's going to cause the entire world, the global system, to collapse. And, you know, you'll get Nicholas leave on there telling everyone that they're just too stupid to understand him. So you, you, that'll come out. It, it, it's, it's clockwork every single time. And then CNBC will do the markets in crisis after about two days. And then that'll be the bottom. And then it'll rally 800 points the next day. It's, it's a playbook. It, it happens every single time. And at some point, we'll have a a recession. At some point, we will. Whether it's severe or minor, I think whatever we have the next recession, it'll be very minor. Um, kind of like the one uh, in the Clinton year. I think it was like 94, 95. We had that little brief recession that no one really felt. Um, you know, I think... Banks are incredibly well capitalized to consumers, as capitalized as they've ever been as far as their debt to equity ratios, household equity is as high as it's ever been. So there's a lot of positive that um, the consumer and banks are going to easily be able to absorb the next recession and it won't turn into what we saw in 2008-2009. Of course, the good news, well, good and bad news, the bad news is the market will react like it is because that's the market's last memory. And because like I have the aforementioned cast of characters will all be prancing around saying, see, I was right. See, I was right. See, I was right. There is a recession coming, although they won't say they've been saying that for seven years. And people will be scared because a lot of investors, their whole investing life started in that 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 time period. Right. A lot of your a lot of your younger investors, they don't remember the tech bubble. They don't remember those years. They weren't alive in the 90s investing their stocks. They're investing experience was formed in you know 2006 2007 2008 when the, sh- when the wheels fell off the bus so they'll panic markets will crash which is bad for what we hold but if you have cash which you always should have cash it'll be another amazing buying opportunity because i don't think the economic slowdown will be anywhere near what it was before so the recession will be far milder you'll get more of a v bottom in the stock market And you'll make a ton of money in a very short amount of time. So if I had to predict, that's my prediction. That's what's going to happen. I think that that's, I think that's a a real, a realistic scenario based on the economic conditions we have. And no, I have no idea when it's going to happen. And even when it does, I think it's going to be very minor, very quick. And then we'll, we'll move right on from that. So so I think that's it. Um, yeah, I think I've been talking for long enough today. So I guess we're at, we're at with, the, with the GSEs. I'm not selling mine. Um, you know, I don't think the end of the net worth sweep is going to be a um, anticipated event like this release, this report was. Right? Because what's to say? You know, it just gets put on a press release. Or you know hold a press conference we're, we're stepping in a we worth sweep, stepping in the draw so they can start rebuilding. as we said, as we said in our um, our plan, this is the first step to recapitalize them. I mean you, you can, you can you know you can, you can drop a press release on a Monday morning or have a, a, a press conference to Treasury in the afternoon and say, this is what you're doing with Calabria or Calabria could I don't know it, it doesn't you know it's not going to be a fifty three page report that sat on the White House's decks that is dealing with the entire housing industry. is just simply recapitalize the GSEs, which they said they're going to do. So, I don't think it's going to be, you know, we're going to know a week before they're going to announce it. Because, I mean, let's be honest. If they say Friday, they're going to talk about the network sweep Then everyone's going to know they're going to stop the network sleep on Friday. So, it doesn't. None of it makes sense. So, I think it'll just, you know, there'll be rumors that they're going to stop it soon, and then, you know, you'll just get, you'll just get a statement. So, that, that, I mean, that's what I think is going to happen. So, I was. One day off on my aftermarket close um, prediction. I thought they'd do it on a Friday. They did it on a Thursday night. I kind of still wish they did it on a Friday, but whatever. It is what it is. At the end of the day, it won't make a difference. And then uh, Mnuchin Tuesday. So 10 a.m. Tuesday, Mnuchin is going to be talking. That'll be that'll be must-watch TV. Um, hopefully, um, CBC will run it. Um, well I guess you can stream it online now right I don't know if you can stream it live though You can only stream it after the fact I'll, have to, I'll, I'll look in and check it out So, But either way that's going to be something we're going to want to watch Because I'm sure he'll have lots of questions on it And hopefully he'll give us some more answers Or at least allude to some things Where people can kind of make their own assumptions So, But alright That's it enough of me I hope everyone has a very safe Very happy Very fun weekend Kids are all back at school. Football starts up. Go Bills. I think this is the year. (laughs) Oh my God. My fantasy football name is wait till next year. (laughs) That seems to be what I say about my Bills every year. All right, guys. Have a good one.